0: Praise God, we we have answers, and that's really what's on my heart today. Is we have answers. There are answers to this. There are answers to not only some virus that is trying to take all the spotlight and take all the the, the headlines and be be what's in control today. We have not only the 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 answer and the the the, the cure for this virus, but we also have the cure for the fear. That is out there. This world is full of fear. We've said that many times over the last few months. We've talked about the turmoil. We've talked about the angst. We've talked about all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. And and we, it, we you know this last week, my wife asked me, "What are you going to preach on?" I was thinking, "What's running my heart right now is the four horsemen of the apocalypse." <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that it could be you know the, the pale horse is among us. You know, I don't gracious sakes. And she goes, well, she, after she kind of came down from, okay, he's not going to preach on that. Okay. Was she said, she goes, we could really use some hope. And I was like, isn't that the gospel? The gospel is a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of, of truth and peace that even in the midst of what's going on in the world today. Wow. Just when you think it couldn't be any crazier, it just keeps outdoing itself every, every day. Turn with me to John chapter 16. I'm actually pretty sure I was here a few weeks ago, but it's going to lead into uh, what I believe God is wanting to say to us as as a congregation, as the body of Christ. John chapter 16. So actually last week I got to watch our service uh, in my pajamas. Uh, it was really nice. So uh, what everybody else did for those number of weeks, it was like, wow, that was awesome, man. I almost didn't come back this week, because that was really fun. No, no, no just, just kidding. John chapter, I could, I could come here and wear pajamas. Thank you. No, no, we don't, we don't need that. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 29, says, His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold. Now stop there. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. I mean, the worst thing anyone has ever had to do ever in history. The, the worst experience, because yes, the pain, the suffering, the torture, the, the destruction of his body, the the the, the, the 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 mental anguish, the everything that is about to happen. Um, nobody nobody has any idea how bad it really was. And then, the, even the worst thing is to have all the sin of the world placed on you. Someone who was sinless. Jesus was sinless. He was, he was uh, not born into sin. He never experienced sin. He never sinned. And he knew, he knew that what was about to happen was that the sin of the world would be put on him. And he'd pay the ultimate price for it. And in the midst of it, what is he doing? It, you know, Just moments, literally moments before they walk out the door and go over to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. What is he doing? He's comforting his followers. He's telling them, guys, it's going to work. It's going to be okay. And he says, he says, do you now believe? And he, now that they believe, now that they understand who he is, and all the scriptures, you know, they hadn't put all the pieces together. It wasn't until the road of, to Emmaus that they started going, oh, wait a second, wait a second. The Old Testament talked about what, who, who he was and what he was going to do and what he was going to experience and how he was going to suffer. They went, oh, now we get it. But here they're starting to get it. And Jesus said, okay, now that you understand this, now that you believe, verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. He knew that it was going to get so bad in just a few moments, just a few hours, that they were going to run. They were going to run, they were going to hide, and they literally ended up hiding for 40 or 50 days in different ways. They they hid in the upper room, they they got out of the city, they hid. They hid. Then he knew it was gonna it was gonna get bad, and in that he says, "Hey, it's okay, guys. When you leave me alone, it's not your fault. We get it. You know, he gets it because I'm not alone because the Father is with me." What he wasn't also telling him is that even the Father was about to leave him, and you want to talk about suffering when he was on the cross and he said, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Many theologians believe he actually turned his back on Jesus. He turned his... He turned away from the sin. He couldn't even look on his own son. Jesus was truly alone. But even in the midst of that, he is still speaking hope. To his believers. Verse 33 I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. <laughs> I wish that wasn't in there. It wouldn't that have been nice had he not said that. Wouldn't that have been great if he'd said, Hey, once you become a Christian, everything's going to be just peachy? It's going to be so easy. It's going to be so simple. Everything's going to always work out exactly as you planned it. Everything's going to be just wonderful. Well, it didn't for him, so why should it, or why would we, Why would we think it would for us? But see, we don't want to think that way. We don't want to think, well, man, things could get bad. Things could get out of hand. Things could get out of my control. Oh, that's the worst thing in the whole entire world is when stuff is out of my control. Because as long as I can control it, it's all good. You know, just when you when you got everything in the house completely cleaned on on cleaning day, even you know, ladies, guys, if you do cleaning, God bless you. But you finally get all the bathrooms cleaned, and then what? The kids run into the home. Yeah, that just you, your heart just sank, didn't it? Yeah, you just. You, could just see it in people's eyes. Here they come, oh no, no longer in control. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know that he hadn't yet? Do You know that he hadn't died for our sins yet? Do you know that he hadn't fully overcome the world? That wasn't going to take place for at least another 24 hours, if not another 72 hours when he came out of the grave. Yeah, but what was he saying? By faith, I've taken care of the world. I've overcome the world. Don't worry about this. They needed that encouragement. They needed to be encouraged that he has overcome the world. Well, yeah, but you know, look at what's going on in the news. Has he really overcome the world? yes. Because what's happening in the news, what's happening in the world, what's happening in Washington or what's happening in Nevada or any other state, what's happening there is a, 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 the result of sin gone to seed and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. The freedom is not out there. The freedom's in here. And the freedom is in here. It's for freedom that you've been set free. What have you been set free of? The fear. You've been set free of the curse, the law, and the fear of death. The fear of judgment. And the only way you can walk in that is to believe Him. And then to walk it out. To live it. Switch over to Exodus this last week, we've been reading through the two-year reading. Like I've said before, we read through the Bible as a group, as a church, over two years. We uh, have done that for many, many years. You'll, you'll think, well, how come you say that every week? Because there are new people listening, there's new people watching, there's new people. We encourage you to read your Bible. We encourage you to read your Bible. I read my Bible, my wife reads her Bible. Yep, Tom reads his Bible. Carla? Good. Just want to make sure. <laughs> she reads too. Well, I'll, whatever it takes. It's all good. But we we need we want you to read the Bible. We want you to know what God's word says because in that moment when you need help, when you need an answer, I may not be I may not answer the phone. I may be screening my calls at that moment. I made a vote, yeah, I do that. I just go, nope, not talking to that person. No, I'm, I'm that's why you never get a hold of me, Tom. Exactly. It works out. But you need an answer. You need the word of God. You don't need me. You need Jesus. You need you need the word. The way you get the word is re- reading the Bible. We've been reading through; uh, we we read through the Old Testament, through the through Psalms, and we read through the New Testament, and we have a, a reading plan. Other people do all kinds of other stuff. I I have friends who read through the Bible maybe twice in a year. My wife reads through once a year, all by herself, just in and her, her own thing. That's great. However you do it, be doing it. But with our reading plan here, with the reading plan we have, it's been we've been reading through Exodus. And this was some of the verses that we read this last week. Exodus chapter 2 beginning with verse 23. This is after Moses was in the river and taken out of the river and grew up in Pharaoh's house and and then he started going around and noticed how the Hebrews were being persecuted, how they were being tortured and made to work as slaves and he tried to protect them. He tried to protect one who was getting beat up, and he kills an Egyptian and buries him in the sand. and And then, then Pharaoh finds out and tries to kill him, and he takes off. Moses takes off, uh, goes on the other side of the desert. He's hiding out. Been there for forty years. In that time, then this verse uh, is when this happens. Exodus chapter two, beginning in verse twenty-three. Says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God, hearing their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And I've read through the Bible. Multiple times. I can't even tell you how many times I've read that verse. man, And just read it, and read it, and read it, and at different times it means different things. It teaches me different things, so on and so forth. But this week, when I read through this, and I read that verse, God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Man, that hit me deep this week. I was just—I just read it. It was just—I wasn't expecting to to bump into something that was so meaningful, so so powerful. It is a good thing that God knows. It's a good thing. I mean, God is not impersonal. God is not out there just waiting for you to die to. Well, you may or may not make it in. God's not. You no, know, He's not detached. From humanity, He's not uninvolved. God is so involved. God is God knows, God knows. He knows, He knows what you're dealing with today, He knows what you're struggling with, He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, even though you don't know what's happening tomorrow. He knows, man, that is comforting to me that God knew. But then you can go, Wait a second, if you knew, why didn't you do something about it? If you knew, If God knew, why didn't He just wipe out the Egyptians? He could have have done it in one hailstorm. You know, just make it happen. Boom. No, because that's not how God does things. God uses people. Ooh. Ooh. That's going to be a big point. You might want to write that one down. God uses people. God shows His power through people. But people have to be obedient. People have to do... Have to follow him and do him and obey, do what he tells them to. He they have to obey. We you have to obey. Let me just make it simple. God has an answer for the situation you're in right now. If it's if it's a a sniffle, if it's a, a financial thing, if it's a if it's a you know a life threatening. My gosh, if something doesn't happen in the next 24 hours, I perish. Doesn't matter. He knows. He knows the answer. He has the answer. But it's going to take your cooperation. You have a responsibility in this to make it happen. To make it work. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Go over to Exodus 3, just a chapter away. Not too many verses actually away. And he's talking to Moses. He's talking to him out of the burning bush. Exodus 3 verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." God uses people. He uses people. He doesn't use perfect people. He just uses people. Moses was not perfect. Moses was a murderer. Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Even if you're a murderer here this morning, does not disqualify God from using you. So that means I'm pretty sure I'm looking around. I don't see any oh. <laughs> nobody who's disqualified themselves. And now, not only was Moses a murderer, but he didn't want to do it. He spends the next half a chapter trying to talk God out of using him. Not me. I can't speak. I. 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 I'm I, I don't know, I can't look people in the eye. I can't I can't do this. Like, what if they don't listen to me? What if, yeah, I mean all the stuff we were whine about. I didn't wasn't gonna say it, but here it comes. All the stuff we whine about. What if what if what if I say all the stuff you tell me to say and then nothing happens? And God says to Moses, What's that you have in your hand? Because it's a staff. He goes, throw it to the ground. He throws the staff to the ground. What is it? Ha- what happens to it? Turns into a snake. That is disgusting. There are things in the Bible that don't make any sense to me. The whole snake thing. And they do this like a dump- a bunch of times in is- in Egypt. His- he throws the staff and his snake. I love the verse. I don't think it's in my notes. But I love the verse where it says that Moses ran away from it. He's like you and I. He's like my wife. I don't even. She doesn't have to even see a snake. If I say, "Ooh, snake," I'm on the bad list for the rest of the week. Because you don't mess with Deb and snakes. Okay, you just don't even mention it. One time, I don't know why. Here we go. So, one time I came home. I came. We were living out in the country. The the second place we lived at, and it was fall. And and I, you know, I came home from work uh, late in the afternoon, and it was a big pile of big pile of leaves in the middle of the, the, the driveway. And, and uh, so there's this big pile of leaves and there's a rake laying uh, beside the pile of leaves and no deb. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So I, I go in the house and she's sitting drinking her tea, big eyes. I went, what are you doing? She goes, is it still out there? I was like, what do you mean, is it still out there? She goes, the snake. I was like, what snake? What are you talking about? She said she was raking the leaves and all of a sudden a snake came, stood up in the middle of the leaves, came up, and then its neck went, whoosh, like it, it flared and hissed at her. She was gone. She was gone. She was gone. She goes, what do you think it was? I said, it sounds like a king cobra, Deb. I hadn't been married that long. I just, I, right. I've learned some things. Don't don't tell your wife there's King Cobras in Minnesota. You <laughs> know, it's just bad, okay? But he, Moses is just like you. He's he hates snakes too. And then God tells him he goes pick it up by the tail. I don't care what you want me. To, I'm going to hit it with something. I'm not. And Moses d- did it. He obeyed God. And, and that's the deal is you know, God asked him to do some really weird stuff. Go back to Egypt. You go back to Egypt. I know you're not qualified. You're not qualified. You're not qualified to do anything, Patty. You're not a, you're not qualified. You in yourself can't do anything. But if God says go, guess who's the most qualified person in the world? Take the finger and put it at yourself. Say, me, me, me. If that's what God wants to do. I mean, I many times I go, guys, are you sure? Really? Do you know me? Well, that's, I mean, yeah, you do. Okay. I know me. I wouldn't pick me. It's. I, want, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Verse 9, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression of with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh and... And you, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Then go down to verse eighteen. So he goes to goes down to Egypt, and he talks to the elders. He talks to the people of Israel, and so, and in verse eighteen, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, "The Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go on a three day journey into the wilderness." that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless you are unless compelled by a mighty hand. Okay, whoa. If God has a plan, and it's a great plan. I mean, it's an awesome plan because it's his plan. Why would he go, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, but he's not going to go along with what you're going to say? Come on. I mean, I'm already putting this everything on the line here. I'm I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving the flocks. I'm leaving the backside of the wilderness. I'm going all the way down to Egypt. I'm putting everything on the line. I'm you know they wanted to kill me down there thirty nine years ago, forty years ago. I'm going down there, and I'm going to say, "Let my people go." I mean, that's you know, if if God told you that this is what you needed to do, and then He told you, "But it's not going to work." would you do it? Would you do it? Years ago, I don't tell this story very often, just because it's too personal. Years ago, I was driving home from the job I was doing when I was in college, and I'd been just seeking God, and the job I had was maintenance in a, at a camp, and I, could be, I was by myself all day, and I'd I'd you know, meditate on scriptures. I'd listen to worship tape. I mean, I was in the presence of God a lot. This was even you know, when we were in college, before I was ever a pastor. And I'd been just seeking God all day long and praying in the Spirit. And I'd just been listening to Him, just been in His presence. I remember I got off of work that day, and I got in my car, and I started driving home. I know exactly where I was. I was on, on the, the it was a County F that used to go past the old dog track. You know, I was, going, I was driving down F towards M in in Wisconsin. And I'm driving along, not thinking anything's about to happen, and literally as as clear as as the day is long, and it wasn't an audible voice, but God spoke to me, and he says, John, will you follow me? Anywhere I tell you to go. And I was like, yes! I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. I was like, yes! Of course I will, God. It just came out of me. I was like, Yes! Of course I'll do anything. You tell me to do anything. I'll go anywhere. Just tell me what to do, God. And then it's even clearer. He says, will you do it even if I tell you that what you're going to do is going to fail? And I literally sank in my seat. Would you follow me? Even if I told you what you are about to do is going to fail, I mean, a few minutes earlier it was. I, I couldn't even wait for him to get his words out, and I just answered, "Of course, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, God." But that next answer took weeks. I I couldn't understand it. It made no sense to me. Will you do whatever I tell you to do, even if I ask you to do something that is going to fail? would okay, think about this for a second. Theologically speaking, would God ask you to do something that will fail? I know. You, nobody's given me a quick answer on this one because it's not a quick answer. I'll tell you what the answer is. Yes. God may ask you to do something out of obedience that will not have the desired outcome that you want. It may not work the way you hope it would. And will you follow him anyway? Wow. Now the rubber just hit the road. Now reality bites. It took weeks. Man, I was just like... What are you talking about, God? I had to get first I had to deal with the whole theological, would God ask me to do something that would fail? When I finally, you know, searching the scriptures, seeking it, I was like, okay. I mean, Jesus died on the cross. But you know there are billions of people who reject him. And he went to the cross anyway. You know, the world could, could look at that whole thing and it looks like it like he failed. Well, he failed because wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many are those who pass through it. That looks like a failure. But in reality, he didn't do it for them, he did it for us. He did it for those who would follow him. That some, that anyone would follow him. It's not a failure. It took me weeks to get to deal with a the theological answer. But here he is right here. I'm going to tell you to go down to Egypt. And you're going to say this to Pharaoh, but he's not going to listen to you. He's not only not going to listen to you, he's going to make it worse. Pharaoh is going to make it worse on the people. First thing he does is he pulls all the all the straw out. You get your own straw. Same number of bricks. He started beating them more. He started harassing them more. I don't even know. I'm, I'm kind of lost. Oh, verse, verse chapter 5. I think I'm in the right one here. Exodus chapter 5, beginning with verse 10. So the taskmasters and the foreman of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh... I will not give you straw. Go and get, your, get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to go gather straw or stubble for straw. He made it worse on them. How long from the moment Moses walked into Egypt until the people walked out? We don't know. There's not a date, time stamp there. We don't know exactly. But many people who've studied have, have said months. Months. I'm sure Moses thought he was going to walk in, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh would go, Oh, sure, I get you. Okay, everybody go, see you later. Two days, maybe three to get your stuff packed. No, months went by. People were tortured because of it. People were, were made to work extra hard as slaves. People were, were, it did not go the way they planned it. Much of my life has not gone the way I planned it. Suck it up. I've learned not to worry about it. Why? Because I'm doing what he told me to do. And ultimately, the people were released from Egypt. But in the process, it seemed like they were losing most of the time. We just happen to know the end of the story. We've we've seen the end of the Ten Commandments. It all works out. Verse 19, The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. Verse 20, They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord, look on you and judge, because you have made us think in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. It's not getting better out there. I did everything I was supposed to do. I did everything. I did everything. I prayed. I prayed. I voted. And it didn't work out the way I planned it to. Do you know that God didn't tell you to fix it? He told you to be obedient. He didn't tell you to solve it. He solves it. He even said that in, that in that verse earlier. He says, "He says Pharaoh's not going to do anything until a mighty hand forces him to do it." And God, over the series of those weeks and months, used a mighty hand, and it was miraculous, and it was wild and crazy. And if you go all the way to the to the end, what he promised Moses, he, what he told them was, You're, "They're not going. When they go out, they're not just going to go out empty-handed. They're going to go out and they're going to plunder Egypt." That wouldn't have happened after three days. But it easily happened after a few months where the people said, take everything and get out of here. Along the way was tough. I'm just going to be honest with you. Along the way, it's going to get tough. But we win. We win. We win. Why? Because I read the end of the book. A few times, that hasn't changed. We win. The kingdom wins. God wins. Good and and righteousness win. Truth is truth. It's worth standing for. It's worth being bold for. It's worth worth denouncing lies. It's worth being vocal. It's worth saying, no, that is not true. This is true. Well what if people don't like me? They're not going to like you anyway. The hope is not in the situation. The hope is in the word of God. I just what you, what you said this morning was so spot on. It just it just ignited in me. God is bound by his word. His Word is true. He is is more than faithful to fulfill His Word. But He is is absolutely bound by who He is, His very character. He is bound to, to, to fulfill His Word to the completeness if you obey Him. If you follow Him. Well, what if I screw up? Grace! Grace and mercy. I've screwed up, made some mistakes, done some dumb things, had some hiccups along the way. So have you, so's everybody. Get over it. Be faithful now. Choose now. Choose this day who you will serve. If you're watching my video and you're and you're thinking, well, wait a second, I haven't I haven't sought God in years. It's easy. God, I repent. He doesn't look at you go, well, it's been it's been six years, sorry. You you did one too many sins. Just like you just sorry. No. If you cry out to him, if you run towards him, he runs towards you. Every time. Every time. Every time. Hallelujah. His word is true. His word is true. One more seemingly unrelated but totally applicable verses. Mark 11. My wife this week was listening to some teachings, and I happened to walk through the room and heard the minister preaching on this, and just I got happy all over again. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. 22, 23, 24, and 25. And Jesus answered them. He had just cursed the fig tree. They had just noticed it 24 hours later. They're thinking, what in the world is going on here? And Jesus answered them and said, verse 22, Have faith in God. Verse 23, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, there is a qualification for this, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you, your trespasses. People think, well, I prayed. I prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for healing, nothing happened. I prayed for this provision, nothing happened. Well, did you do it the way he said to do it? Jesus said, speak to this mountain. He didn't say, he actually told the disciples at the very end of his ministry, he says, you don't have to ask me for anything anymore. You already have the authority. Every bit of authority has been given to me. I'm giving you the authority. Go and heal. Go, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. You go, you go, you go. He says, don't ask me to do it. I've already done it. You do it. If if God had told Moses, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and Moses had gone almost to Egypt, hadn't quite crossed the Nile, had sent a letter over to Pharaoh, hey, let my people go, would God have been obligated for him to do it? No. Because he didn't do what he told him to do. He had to do what he told him to do. How he told him to do it. Personal responsibility. This morning... Just been on my heart all day long. Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Lay hands on. The sick. Well, now now we've got half the congregation not here, the ones that needed it. And now you're thinking, oh great, they missed it, didn't they, folks? Right? They, they, everybody who's not here missed it. No, you didn't miss it. Thank you for not sneezing on anybody. I appreciate that, because it isn't about being here. It's about the Word of God. It's about the Word of God. And he said, speak to the mountain, and it will be removed into the sea. So here's what I want you to do. If you're dealing with any symptoms whatsoever, whether it's sniffles, whether it's a sore throat, whether it is a loss of taste, I want you to lay hands on your own body, wherever you are. If you're at home right now, I want you to lay hands on your body. If you're here, lay hands on your body. If you're doing 100% look around for somebody who needs prayer, and lay hands on them. And then agree with them, and we're going to do what the Bible says. You're going to speak to your body, Father, and just do it. Listen to me. Listen to what what I say here, and you you use the words God gives you. So I I still have, have I don't have full taste. I want all my taste back. That's the way God created me to have taste. You know I love food. I love food. I love the taste of food. I eat food even when I can't taste it, but it's annoying. Father, I thank you that your word says that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I speak to my body right now in the name of Jesus. I am 100% completely healed in Jesus' name. Body, come in line with the word of God that says that I am healed. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No sickness will come near my dwelling. I thank you, Jesus, your word says, and you've given me the authority to speak to my own body and say, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. Come in line. Right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's it. You did the word. You obeyed. You obeyed. We obeyed. Now, you can pray for somebody else the exact same way. You can lay hands on the sick. You can lay hands on somebody and say, Be healed, in Jesus' name. That was the thing that she was listening to. I was like, yes! Because they were saying, you know, uh, the the minister was saying, he told somebody, this is what you got to do. You lay hands, and you tell their, their body to come in line. And so they began to pray. Oh, God. Thank you for your healing. I know that you heal. Will you please heal this person? No, he's already healed them. He told you to tell them to be healed. You heal them. So Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over Tom right now. Whatever he's dealing with, From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, I thank you, Lord, that he is healed. He is the righteousness of God. And I speak total restoration to his body. I speak total restoration to the bodies of every person who can't be here this morning because they're not feeling well for whatever it may be. If it's a cold, if it's a flu, if it's COVID, if it's whatever it is, if it's a, if it's a bad back, if it's a bad neck, if it's a knee, I don't care what it is. I just speak to those, that body right now in the name of Jesus. And I say, be healed. In Jesus' name. And the Word of God works. The Word of God works. We need to to take the Word of God. We need to believe Him for what He said, and then go. Go and do it. Go and be the answer that this world needs. And watch what happens.